Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you turn in your Bibles this morning to Haggai, Haggai chapter 1. We're going to read quite a bit of Texas. I'm going to try and read it slowly, but just please bear with me. And if you haven't got a Bible, it's on the screen as well. It says this. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak. The high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much. But harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in your purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains. Yes, this is God. On the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces. On people and livestock. On all the labor of your hands. We don't always want to blame the devil. Sometimes God can do this as well. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of their Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. If you now just turn to Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, just moving on, just after we see that they respond, the people of God have responded to Haggai's message and started to build again. And to obey God. Haggai chapter 2 verse 6 says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while. While I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. The sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. Says the Lord Almighty. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever read this book, but it's one of the prophets, Haggai. Just a small, short book at the end of the Old Testament. And Haggai, it records here four specific prophecies to the people. 
And he's very specific in his dates. If you look at a lot of the prophecies throughout the Bible and the prophets, they're not as specific as he is, but he's specific in his dates of when he speaks to, the, to God's people. And Haggai was an old, an older gentleman, should I say, not old, but an older gentleman, more mature gentleman, about 70 years of age, who'd seen the glorious days in his temple. He'd seen some amazing things in the temple of God in the past. But now while the people of God have been in, in a time of, um, where they've been in Babylon, in exile, and they've been brought back, Haggai comes to prophesy and say, it's time to build the temple. He's seen the glory days. He's the mature one who's seen the glory days. And he says, it's time for you to build the temple. Now you're back in your own land. Haggai's underlying message was this. For them to rebuild the temple of God. And he was saying in this, you've become comfortable in your own lives, in the things that you do. You've been, become so comfortable doing the things that you want to do, that you've neglected this building. And when they returned out of exile, we know from records in the Bible, it says in Ezra, if you look, that they started to build the temple. So they were instructed at one point, they started to build, but then they gave up at the foundations. They put all the foundations in, and then it says they gave up because of opposition from around them in the territory. At that time, there would have been Samaritan opposition, people in that region, Samaritans, who would have opposed what they were doing. And they decided to down tools and to not continue to build the temple. They lost their passion and their desire in this place, in this, when they come back home to rebuild what God wanted them to do. You say, what does that mean for me today? I'm not building any temples. I come to church every Sunday and I sit in here. What does that mean for me? We're not called to build temples. We're not called to rebuild any temple physically. But I believe we're called to do the work of Jesus in this season and to build his church with him. Amen? And I want to just look at today what I believe Haggai is speaking to us about and what he's challenging us to today. And I also want to look at what it may say in the New Testament and, and how this will work for us. The title of my message today is it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. If you turn with me now just to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 27. And we come to a famous story of the woman at the well that we all know very well. John chapter 4 verse 27. We jump down a bit in the story here because Jesus has just gone through, funnily enough, he's going through Samaria, where the Samaritans are again. And he's going through with his disciples who are ministering to people and he reaches the well. And he says to his disciples, I'm going to stick around here while you continue on because they want to go down into the town to get food, it says. So the disciples go on and leave Jesus at the well and then they go on to get some food they go down and try and find where McDonald's is or Nando's. But Jesus says, I don't want any of that. I'm just going to stand here at the well. We all know the famous story that while he does that, Jesus meets a divine appointment with the woman at the well. And all the time while the disciples are eating down in the town, he's ministering to the woman at the well. 
We pick it up at verse 27 just after the whole thing with the woman at the well. And the disciples returned back from the town. It says, just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? If you jump to verse 31, he says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, that's Jesus, Rabbi, Jesus, eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could he have bought some food from somewhere? We've, we've walked all the way down to the town. Where's he got his food from? Jesus said this, verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. And look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the same, one sows and another reaps, is true. Verse 38, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. In fact, actually in that time where they saw not much opportunity, it says they came back, they saw Jesus chatting to the woman at the well. They didn't even chat to her. They didn't even ask who she was or want to talk to her. Because to them, the the Samaritans, it was a time they were going through a place where this this is not our ministry time here now. It's not time to do any building. It's not time to do any work for Jesus. In fact, actually the Samaritans who did have religious beliefs, they had a belief system very similar to those. A Jewish belief system, but it was mingled with lots of other things. During the time when they were in exile. So they didn't see these people as the same as them. So they, had, they didn't see any divine opportunity. In fact, the food was more interesting in the town to chat into the woman. What does this story have anything to do with Haggai, you say? I believe it's the same thing today. Number one, my point today is this. That we need to act today and not delay. We read in Haggai 22, it said, These people say... The time has not yet come to build the Lord's house. The Bible records that they'd stopped building. They got so far, they put the foundations in, the hard work, these digging these foundations, put it all in, and then they downed tools. They got so far because they didn't think that it was time to do it. And if you read in Ezra and you read the stories, it tells us that the people, the Samaritans, were wanting to join in and they were getting opposition and they just thought, no, this is not the right time. But we know that Haggai had prophesied and said, this is the right time for you to build. But they changed their minds. They said, maybe later. Not now. I want to tell you today that our time is the most precious commodity that you have. Somebody said to me the other day, I can't remember who it was. They said, if you, uh, I was in the mental health group the other day and I had some great conversation with them. And one of them said... Uh, the value of gold or something like that. And then one of them said, what's the value of custard creams if you're in the desert compared to gold? I thought, wow, that's a good point. The value of custard creams goes way up the list. Because they had a, a box of custard creams there they were eating. But your time is the most precious commodity that you have. You say, oh, there's lots of other things, but it is one of the most precious things. Because our time is valuable. 
It's so easy for us sometimes, I'm not saying it's a sacrifice, it's a sacrifice for many, but it's easier sometimes to put money into God's kingdom than it is our time. And our time, we choose to spend on other things. Steve Jobs, the late CEO of Apple, who design, who, who does all the Apple products, you go out today, pretty much every single person walks around with iPhones and iPads and all this kind of stuff. And Steve Jobs, who was the late CEO, said this. My favorite things in life don't cost any money. This is the person who makes the products. He says, my favorite things in life don't cost any money. It's really clear that the most precious resource we all have is time. This is coming from the guy who designs all the products. He says, our time is still more valuable than all these things. The people of God had decided to postpone the timing of the rebuilding of the temple. They decided to hold back and to down tools. Sometimes for us, there's times in your life today where you, I believe, may have got to position in your Christian walk where you built some foundations, you got so far and you've down tooled. You've put the tools down. You're saying it's not time to do any more now. It's, I'm just going to do some other things for myself and then I'm going to pick up the tools because I've done the foundations. I've got so far with this, but I'm not going to carry on just yet. I've done the foundations. Lord. Look, I made a good start. But I, there's some of the things I just need to do, Lord, before I continue with your work. And I want to encourage you, I believe in a season here, where we've started some great foundational work in this church. And now's the time not to give up. Now's the time not to down tools like they did. And to concentrate on ourselves. It's so easy to do that. The world today has never been hungry or thirstier for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was chatting the other day with one of the vicars in this city of a big church. And he was saying to me, he says, I... It's great that you go on the streets and encouraging us to do that. And he said, it's fantastic. He said, I'm so surprised these days when I chat to young people. He says, they've got no Sunday school upbringing, no background. Because I talk to people and it's like we're in a completely different generation. See, our generation when we grew up, we knew Sunday school, we went. But there's a generation that's coming through now. If we're not careful, if we don't do the things that Mel did yesterday, we don't teach the young ones. And now let me tell you this, the people out there that we meet, the young people, the youth, there's such an opportunity. They need to hear the gospel. Now's not the time to down tools. In the time of opposition like they had in the Samaritan region, they come back, they, they could have just said, oh, this is just too hard. It's just not time yet. Let's wait till things get a little bit better. It feels like we're accepted a bit more here. Then we'll start building the temple. But I believe that God through Haggai said this to everyone. He said, it doesn't matter how it feels or what's around you. Now is the time. Now is the time. We read earlier in John 4.35, it said this. Don't you have a saying, said Jesus to his disciples. It's still four months until harvest, plant, and then you, then you reap. I tell you, he said, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe to harvest. I don't know what you see when you look outside. I don't know what you see when you look at your families. I don't know what you see when you talk to your friends. and I don't know what you see. But I see ripe fields. White fields. Ready for a harvest. Just the same as in Haggai. 
Those disciples who come back from the well, they'd gone down into town looking for food. And Jesus was there thinking, the work doesn't stop now just because we're in, a, in the region of the Samaritans where it's a bit more difficult. He carries on going. And the disciples return. And they come back and he's basically saying to them this, don't you realize I have food that's greater to do the will of my father, not to go and eat food and just to stop and down tools. I've got a better food. And it's to do the will of my father. And you in this Samaritan region, you didn't see the opportunity. You even, it's like he's saying, you even come back and you don't even want to say hello to the woman and acknowledge her. Because to you, this is a time for down tools. But I tell you, the fields are ripe unto harvest. Don't wait. Don't put off four more months and then the harvest. Now is the time. Cambridge may be a foreign place for some people in here today. It may be that you, just like them, they were going into their region. Some, some people today, it may be a new place. I want to encourage you. Sometimes I believe that the enemy comes to, to kind of say to us that this is not your place. When you were back home or when you did this or that there, that's the place where you really want to minister. But in this foreign place, maybe you don't want to push yourself as much. This is your territory. This is your fields to reap. Whether you're here for a short time, whether you're here for a long time, whether it feels foreign, whether the culture's different, whether it feels like you're in just a place where the Samaritans are like they did, it's still the same and the opportunities for us in this next season are ripe. They're waiting for us to reap it all. Just because we feel like it's a foreign place, we shouldn't let this hinder the work of God. Just a few weeks ago when we went out on the street evangelism trip. And we, the week before we do sometimes a thing called treasure hunting. So we write down a list of things and we just say what we feel God is speaking to us. And we'll have a prayer time and we have a list of things that what we want to do and areas we want to go to. And one of the lists was in the centre of Cambridge. It was a location, was in the centre of Cambridge. And one of the treasure hunt things that we just felt God speak to us for is to go to McDonald's, around McDonald's area. So as you can see that when I was looking at the lists and comparing them to the treasure hunt list, I thought, well, I'm happy to go near McDonald's. You know, that sounds like a good location for me. So I put myself down there, you know, just in case. I just felt the Lord calling me to that area. But we went down there and I remember coming back and some of the groups, I don't know if Jeanette's here and... There's a group we went down, it was a fun, fun evening, a great time. And we came back and Jeanette said, when we got back in, she says, I'm absolutely starving. We've been out and I've not eaten anything. And we've been to McDonald's just because it was on the list. We felt we had to. In fact, actually, we ate our McDonald's, but we had about a 45 minute chat with a professional photographer who goes all around the world. He's a f- colorful character. But it was an amazing time. He was totally said he was an atheist, didn't believe. We spent 45 minutes chatting to this guy as we ate at McDonald's. Our objective wasn't just to eat, but to keep continuing with the work. When I met Jeanette, when she came back and she walked in, she says, I'm so hungry. I goes, boy, that Big Mac was good. She goes, I cannot believe it. We're supposed to not eat when we go out. But I said, well, it was on the list, look, it's there. But we carried on going. For me, it wasn't about just having a break. We wanted to see I have opportunities to chat to people when we were in there. Don't down tools. 
for the things that you want. Haggai said, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? In other words, they were building their houses up. They were spending so much time on their lives and doing things and putting their lives into other things. That God says, look, my house is a ruin. It's foundations. It's just left. And all you're doing is concentrating on yourselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that. We're still waiting for the plasterer to come. In our house, it's been January since I took the wallpaper off, but... I'm just praying that the law will help us to do it. (laughs) But we have to do our things. But God is saying, don't let these things become priority. While my house remains a ruin. I don't know if you've ever been, if you go to Europe or you go around the world. And particularly when we used to go to Greece, me and Emma, we used to go on holiday there. One of the things you'll see when you drive around there is lots and lots of buildings that have got a first stage foundation... And they've got the concrete pillars in and then they've got steel uh, wires stuck up out of that in, in between the concrete pillars. And you look at these buildings and think, why haven't they finished them? One of the reasons they do that for is to get a planning permission to suggest that this is what they're going to intend to do. But then they build these houses so far and then leave the steel wires and everything's just left like a ruin. And I believe for us today... For some of us here today, your Christian walks may be that you've left that ruin. You said, Lord, I know I intend to build. I intend to do this. I intend to look at the plans, Lord, of what I'd love to do. This is the the finished product, but I know it looks like a ruin, but I've just got some other things I need to do. And the Lord's looking saying, pick up the tools. Continue working. Don't give up. Don't give up. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says this, Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's not for tomorrow. It's not for waiting for another time. Every time we go out, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when people can be reached. Today is the day when we must not. Hand up the tools. Number two today is prioritize your passion. Prioritize your passion. In Haggai 1 verse 5 to 6 he said this. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. And you put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I said to the people of God, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, consider your ways. Take a hard look at your life, says the message. Take a good, hard look. You planted much but harvested little. You've got little reward for the things you're doing. If you read that scripture again, when Haggai is speaking to them, he says that God, even though they were putting all their time into these things, He says that they came home and he says, God blew away what they had. You say, well, if things, if I've been putting all this work in, you said to yourself, it's the enemy. I've got to have a prayer meeting against the enemy because he, he's taking all my finances and I'm not seeing this. I'm putting all this work and effort into my life and building my house and my family. And we blame the devil every time. But God says here through Haggai, he says, it's me. I'm the one who blew it all away. So when you came back, it felt like you've got nothing. In fact, it felt like you've got pockets with holes in. 
He felt like everything that you were doing is going straight through your pocket. And you say, why, is, why would God do such a thing? Why would God allow this? God is a God of love. Why would he do that? That must be the enemy. But God does these things to discipline and to teach us. Because the thing he wants us to learn is that we must seek the kingdom of God first. Then all the things will be added afterwards. And some of us, we get it the other way around. We say, we're going to get everything right. And then we'll continue, Lord. But our passions are in the wrong place. Their priorities were in the wrong place. And God was coming in his gentle, fatherly way to show them. If you do it this way, I know it seems a little bit upside down. I know it seems the opposite to what you think. But let me tell you today, friends... I'm coming to learn more and more about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is completely different to this world. It operates in a completely different way. In fact, the Bible tells us to give things away. This world tells you to grab everything you can. The Bible says, give it all away. The more you sow, the more you will reap. And some of us today in our walks... And some doctrines around this world through some Christian circles would suggest that you need to get everything you can. But let me tell you, I believe that the future for the church is to give away everything you can. Give it away. Give it away. The kingdom of God is completely different. It's not of this world. It doesn't operate in the same way. We'll see a far greater reward. Jesus said in Matthew 26 when he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the things you'll eat. Don't worry about the things you're going to wear. Don't worry about these things. Today's got enough trouble of its own. But some of us, we put so much concern into these things. If we learn to trust God. I sometimes wonder whether we really do understand the concept of the mustard seed faith. We're so easy at saying, I've got mustard seed faith. Lord, I believe you. I believe you. But if it comes to the most menial, tiniest thing that's a practical thing in our lives, we can't show mustard seed faith. It's so easy to say, Lord, I believe this person will be healed with our mouths. But I'll tell you what's harder. It's sometimes harder for you to release what's in your hand and trust that God will be there for you. Mustard seed faith is sometimes a little bit bigger than what we think. It's a little bit bigger than what we think. We read earlier the disciples came back to Jesus after having their food. Jesus said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, I'm not worried about my food. I'm not worried about the things of tomorrow. The thing I'm concerned about is to do the will of the Father. My priorities are... And not to go down in the town looking for McDonald's. My priorities are not in this time, in this hour to go and do this or that. My priority, says Jesus, is to do the will of the Father. He says, that's my food. That is my McDonald's. That's my time. That's my passion. That is my thing that gets me up to do what I do every single day. That is why I am here. But for you, he says... You're more interested in the things of yourselves. And Jesus said, I want to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. To finish his 
work. Again, just as we read in Haggai, they'd started with such passion, but they didn't finish. They weren't prepared to finish it. Jesus said, I've not only come to do the will, but to complete what the Father wants me to do. And Haggai said that word, you must keep rebuilding. Don't give up. Don't leave in ruins what God has called you to do. The disciples that day missed a divine appointment. We all talk about divine appointments. But they missed the divine appointment with that lady. Jesus, as you know, spoke a prophetic word. He gave a word of knowledge and talked her about the things in her life. He went on to say that the fields are ripe to harvest. Because in other words, these people have a religious background that have already got a foundation that you can build on. You've just got to carry on. But you don't see this opportunity. And they missed that opportunity. I just want us to look in Galatians 6 in the message. Galatians 6 verse 7. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Verse 9, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Did you get that? Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. In other words, don't plant selfishness. Don't do these things for yourself. Ignoring God. Do it for God. And for the, in the people closest in the community of faith. And I believe today, what, when we got Bev up and we talked about Fit for a King, these are opportunities. I'm not just talking about, you probably keep, think to yourself, I don't want to evangelize. I don't want to do that because it's not my calling. I don't want to go on the streets. That's why I believe as a church we need to provide every opportunity and every avenue, such as fit for a king, for people to evangelize in people's homes doing their garden. We need to create these opportunities so that everyone here has an opportunity to release what we're talking about. So that you say that there's no excuse. For me... For a leader of a church, my objective, I believe, is to make sure that everyone can be released into their destiny. To everyone to exercise the will of God. And that can be through lots of different means. But we need to work for the benefit of all, starting with those in the community of faith. We need to do it for people as well. So if that's you today, I want to encourage you today. That picking up tools doesn't necessarily mean I'm saying you've got to come up and show up to be an evangelist on the streets and talk to people and strangers. Although that's a good thing. But today there's an opportunity for you to do other things practically as well. Today God is calling you maybe to prioritize your passion. To say, you know what, I'm going to maybe, I mean it just astounds me when Bev 
People, she's got a real heart for this, you know. And she has done so much work, Bev, behind the scenes that not a lot of people know about. Of helping people when she could be doing her own garden. Helping other people, and I know Alan has here as well. There's people here, and I'm, I'm not just naming names to, sh- to embarrass them, but I'm telling you, these people do things, and I've done lots of work on their weekends, and there are lots of people in here who do things like this, who volunteer and give themselves to other things. They'll reap their reward, not from us, but they will reap their reward. And these are such great opportunities. I believe God just looks on you just the same. How beautiful of the feet who bring good news. Just in the same way. When you walk in and you do someone's garden. When you could be doing your own. I want us to. Point three today to. Prepare. Prepare for the harvest time. Prepare for the harvest time. I was going to speak on something else this weekend. And then I just felt this week that God gave me this message. To remind us not to give up. To remind us not to give up. That our time is valuable. But I really believe that God is going to bring a harvest in this place. I believe God is going to fill this place and do something amazing. I believe God is going to do something amazing in this city. I don't just say that to be sensationalist. But I've given my heart to this work because I believe the kingdom of God is going to come in this city like never before. Prepare for the harvest time. In Haggai 1, we read earlier, the people began to work on the temple. We know that eventually they did start to build. So they did start to build this temple. They listened to Haggai. They listened to the word of God. In fact, if you want to read some of the prophets and the stories of the prophets in the Bible, you'll see that a lot of a, a nature of the prophetic in the Bible and the prophets spoke, the Old Testament prophets, no one listened. But in this instance, in Haggai, the people listen. They listened. You'll see that a lot. There's a lot of ignorance to the prophetic. Of judgment and things where people didn't want to listen to God's voice because it was always penetrating right down to the core. But these people listened. And I believe, I'm not here to put people down to say, saying we're not, we've down tools. What I'm saying is this, I believe that God wants to speak to us today gently and say to us as a church, Guys, you're doing a great job. The foundations are going in. Don't give up. Don't let the things and the passions and the desires of this world stop you from seeing what I am going to bring in your midst. They listened and I believe we will listen. We read earlier in Haggai 2, later on, Haggai prophesied again. He said, this is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. Verse 7, I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. You see, the objective of God was this. Through Haggai, he'd seen the glory days. He'd seen the days of the old temple. And he was looking at this temple going up. And in amazement of now they're building. Now the time is coming. It's coming back again. And Haggai said... That this is not just for you to have a temple. I'm going to fill this place. The fulfillment is going to be that my glory is going to rest here. And you're going to see something great. You're going to see a harvest of souls. You're going to see it if you build it. God said I'll fill it with my presence. And I will shake all nations. I'll tell you in this in this city... We have got the best opportunity to shake nations even though we're not in the nations. 
Do you know that? You might say, oh, I look around and I just see it's just difficult here to operate my Christianity. The fields are ripe. We can influence nations in this church. This church is full of people from all around the world. We can influence this city, this unique city. And God will not only fill this house with his glory, he will not only shake things, but he's going to shake nations through this church. But look at what it says. I believe that God will only shake things if we will make things. Did you get that? I believe God was only going to shake things if we make things. He said, build my temple, finish it up. Do what I'm asking you to do. If you make it, I will shake it. I believe today that God is saying, if you finish off, if you continue, if you don't lose the passion, if you carry on building, don't just leave the steel wires stuck about the concrete saying, these are my plans and I'm going to do it one day, Lord. If you say, no, we're not giving up. We're putting the kingdom of God first. And Lord, we know that you'll deal with all the other things that we need. We know you'll bring all these things in. But the summers here are holding on. We're holding on to our other things in our lives. And God is calling us today. He's saying, if you will make my temple, if you will build this church with me, I will shake it and you will see my glory. You will see my glory. So many of us can pray and ask God, fill this place with your presence, Lord. But our hearts are not in it. Our hearts are not in what we say. Lord, we want your spirit here. We want revival. But yet, our passion is to fill our pockets. But see what God said. I'll put holes in them. I'd rather be filling his pockets. I'd rather be doing what he wants practically for his kingdom to build it. Hallelujah. Matthew 9.37 The harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the field. The one thing that we need to pray for now is more workers. More people. More people. I'm interested in people who want to work for the kingdom of God. We need to pray for more workers. I'll tell you, we've been praying in this church for many things and God has answered our prayers. If there's one thing I want you to pray for as a church today is that we pray for more workers. We pray for the people to come in because the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. I believe that it's just as we heard Jesus say that many people have built before and you can reap the harvest of what others have built, he said. In John, in the book of John. He said many have built. And I want to encourage you today, I believe prophetically over this house that God, there's been lots of building in the past and we're riding a wave here sometimes of the things that have gone on before. It's not because of our making. God has been doing things in this place and I've seen it for years. God has been speaking to us as a church of what he will do. And we ride sometimes on the waves of the ones before us. And Peter has invested his life into this church. And we had a passion to see God's glory come. God do amazing things in this city. And it's been prophesied. And I believe, and I want to say today, I prophesy over this church. That we do ride sometimes on the things of the past. But God is going to do something great in this next season. The harvest at Kings is just not a possibility. 
It's just a matter of time. Everything's a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. It's inevitable. You say, oh, is it maybe? Shall I stick around here? Shall I carry on working? It's inevitable. When God speaks, and I believe God wants to do a work, if we put our hands to the plow, he will honor it. And you will see his glory come. You will see it. We want to see people get healed. God's glory come. Only the other day I was seeing emails flying around and I've already put my hands straight up to it saying we want to be involved. But I've seen emails flying around in this city that, they want, that they're planning on and considering a tent mission in 2015 in this city on, on one of the Midsummer's Common somewhere maybe. But I said we're up for it. We want to be part of this. We don't want to just be in here. We want to be out on the streets. We want to be on the fields. We want to be everywhere. And I want you to pray into that as a church. Because if we have an opportunity to go into a tent mission, how amazing would that be? How amazing would it be to see God moving? People coming out of wheelchairs being healed. You say, is this possible? Yes, it's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. You just need to give your time in to be ready for the harvest. I always say that what we've been walking in these last few months is a sowing and reaping principle. We've been sowing into the kingdom of God in people's lives. And I believe that God is reaping that harvest. He's bringing in the harvest. God is calling us sometimes to release the most precious commodity that sometimes we have, our time. Not just our finances. As I read Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, you don't have to turn to it. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's talking about giving our finances, giving our things into God. But I'm not focusing on finances today. I'm talking, I want to talk to you now and just re-look at that and read that in the way of giving yourselves. Honor the Lord with the first of your time in the kingdom. Honor yourselves, give the first of the time in the kingdom and you will reap a harvest of souls. And there'll be a new wine flowing through this place. Amen. Solomon, the man who asked for God's wisdom. If you're saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know if this is right, I don't know whether to believe, whether I should really down tools on some other things and give my pick-up tools on this. Solomon, who asked God for his wisdom, who writes in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1, he says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. It's hard to do, but God is asking us today, cast your bread upon the waters, cast your food, because you'll find it one day, it will come back. Hallelujah, let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.